Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think a few of us might be trying to, you know, just take the one last deep dive into summer or what we think is summer, right? Um, we just, you know, it's at this point we wish for more of summer, but fall beckons with its, as already has been mentioned, with its cool evenings and mornings. And for me, I love the, the contrast between the green, green grass that hopefully is coming back in my yard and the blue skies before they kind of, well, we won't talk about what comes after that, but hey, would you do something with me this morning instead of having some, some one person read, I would like us all to read the passage of scripture. Would you stand with us, stand with one another and read this together with me? When you pray, Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth that it. But when you pray, go by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Our Father in heaven, may your be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If I sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thank you. You may be seated. When you pray, when you pray, last Saturday we went to the Eastern Market. And as we were leaving, there were people who were on the corner, corners of Mack and Russell Street. If you're familiar, it's kind of a busy time on a, on a Saturday morning. They were willing to hand out rosaries and pray with people. What we observed while we were walking by and were approached is that most people kind of said, yeah, not the rosary, but guess what? I'll take the prayer. In fact, on one corner, we overheard, or what it was overheard, praying for Afghanistan. Would you pray with me about Afghanistan? On the other corner was a car stopped right in the street where this priest was leaning into the car and the people were raising their hands and they were praying, right? While on the, uh, off on the side, there was other people praying. When you pray, that should have been the 24-7 picture, by the way. There you go. Next one. When you pray, this, it was Tuesday evening, I was sitting at my desk, or was it, yeah, Monday evening, late, I was sitting at my desk, and I heard this shouting, and I thought, uh-oh, some kid's loose, right? I mean, it's a neighborhood. I didn't move uh, for a couple of, couple of minutes, actually, and the shouting continued, but it was kind of sporadic at best, and I got up and looked, out my window that way, thinking, oh, you know, somebody's loose, nobody. But I looked over here, and there was a, a gentleman that was kneeling at our benches outside our lobby. He was kneeling. And even before I could go out to him, one of our, one of our parishioners drove by and said, hey, by the way, there's somebody at the door. Just wanted to let you know, just in case you didn't want to be surprised. But I, I, 
I listened, I stayed there and I listened and he was vigorous and hit, watched him for a few minutes or, you know, a few seconds actually, where his hands were just like going everywhere. But he wasn't doing anything, just kneeling and saying things. And I eventually went out and kind of said, hey, can I, can I help you? And I had a water in my hand. He looked like he might need that. And he said, oh, excuse me, I, I'm so sorry, but I was praying and the Holy Spirit just got a hold of me and I, I just get loud. I said, no, no problem, no problem. And went back in and uh, eventually I left and he was still carrying on. When people pray... <laughs> I have been in restaurants where uh, specifically men's groups have been meeting repeatedly, whether men's group, you know, McDonald's or wherever. And after a while, you become friends with the people that are in these establishments. People that are regulars even become friends of yours. And, and they walk up to you and say, hey, I know you're a praying group. Would you pray about? And we... We, we grew, many times we would grow in this particular McDonald's especially, we'd grow and go, hey, don't leave. Let us pray for you right now. Can we do that? And guess what? They would receive it. They would take it. One more. When, you, when people pray. Kathy became friends with a colleague uh, many, many years ago in ministry she and her husband were suffering through infertility. She knew Kathy's faith in Jesus and knew our church had a praying group. Her husband had read one of those studies while in the doctor's office for one of these infertility meetings that they were having about the correlation of prayer and healing and, you know, answered prayer. And he told her about the study, which led her then to ask Kathy, hey, would, would you guys pray for me? And for us, would you pray for us? And Kathy said, oh, absolutely. And in this situation, at this time, Kathy, Kathy's friends, which became our friends, uh, Lisa and Brian, were blessed with twins, and later they had another son, as I understand. And in all of that, Brian and Lisa kindled and rekindled their faith in Jesus, so when Jesus leads out and says, when you pray, he's, he's not void of knowing our hearts and our hearts cry. Not only those of us who are believers and followers of Jesus, but most of us, as we've kind of heard the saying, and I don't know if it's true because I've not been in a foxhole, but there aren't too many atheists in foxholes, as, I'm, as I understand it. And it's true in life, I think. As we watch people being approached for prayer and, yes, given, a, given rosaries, but accepting prayer. So Jesus knows people pray, and he knows that people want to be prayed for. Uh, by the way, if you didn't catch it, we're back in Matthew. You read it, but I just want to make sure you know. In the midst of Jesus' teaching on the mountainside, he's giving them, again, this concise teaching on the kingdom of God and how it works, and really, in some ways, how it doesn't work in this, in this instance. And if you haven't, you need to go back and reread chapter 4. Not chapter 5, but chapter 4, where at the end, Jesus, or Matthew records, Jesus gives these people just a wonderful taste, and that's what we've been calling it, a taste of the kingdom of God that's coming, right? Healings, 
uh, amazing teaching, just dramatic transformations. But here, here he seems to be giving us guardrails on how to pray, how to have this conversation with our Father in heaven and how not to. So let's talk about the how not to first. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth that this is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. We're not to pray desiring to be seen. It's as simple as that. And I use those words, desiring to be seen, because I think that's the thrust of what Jesus is talking about. It's not saying you don't pray publicly. He's saying you don't pray in a way that says, hey, look, I'm on display. I doubt that this one catches many of us all too often. I've not driven through Ypsilanti or Ann Arbor to see any of you guys out there, you know, with your hands raised. I, I just have it. But there's something to be said. Why do we pray? What's behind it? Right? If you were to pray in this way, it's almost as if it's like our kids who all of, uh, yeah, my kids did, all of them at the end of a soccer season or whatever, they all get a participation award. You know, it's kind of like, you got it. You got what you wanted. And he's saying, oh, don't pray like this. He goes on, when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask them. We're not to pray desiring to be heard either. It's this idea that in some ways we want to be heard. The repetition, there's something in that for cults and cultures of that time, but there's this desire to be also heard. Right? Not just by God himself, but by others around us. Be seen and to be heard. But Jesus says this, and this is how we are to pray. We're to pray, to pray intimately. You may not have kind of combined that, but think about this. Listen to what he says. When you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to who? Your Father. In private, then your father who sees everything will reward you. It's an intimate relationship. It's, it's not just going into a private place, which I think is vitally important to the, you know, the, the status of our soul, our state of our soul, if you will. But it's about this relationship with the father that we're to have, of the God of all creation. The language is truly intimate if we don't see it on the surface, we must understand that. In Romans, Paul states, as followers of Jesus, we're sons and daughters, which then, as because of the adoption in God, we cry out in, this, in our spirit. We cry out and maybe aloud, Abba, Father, we call him Daddy. Brennan Manning has that, that great book about that, which is so intimate. I never thought this would be the case. But I love it. I mean, I really didn't. I don't, I don't think I gave it two cents. But I, I love it even more these days. I love it when my kids call me dad. I just love it. There's just something powerful about it. You know? It's simple. But it's powerful. It's intimate. Hey, dad. 
just powerful, right? Some of you can tell me how it is to be called grandpa or grandma later, but Jesus is inviting us into the intimacy of God by calling him Father. In the beauty of the intimacy, our conversations will become familial or family-like. And when we have family conversations, you ever have family meetings? They become trans, they have the power of becoming transformational conversations. Because of who's setting at the table and what is said and how it's being conveyed. Even when you don't agree. There's power, there's transformation there. We're, we're to pray with clarity too. We're to pray with clarity. When you pray, don't babble. Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. There are times when we have to admit there are some things we just don't know how to pray about. That's not what this is talking about. Because even in those moments when we don't know how to pray for what we're praying for, there is a clarity of what we're praying for. It is just the, the, the mindlessness of just saying something over and over again or the mindlessness of just talking. Have you ever sang a song without thinking about the words? Sure. Do it all the time. Set a creed without considering the words or the cost of the words in the creed? Absolutely. It's one of the, one of the reasons why some of the things in our culture are breaking down at the very core. Some of the things that some have held valuable don't hold them value anymore because there's nothing constructed behind them. Have you ever checked one of those boxes at the end of an email that says, do you agree with the terms of this? And just checked it without reading? Okay, don't raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, we all have. In some ways, I think this is what Jesus is getting at. Whoa, stop! Stop! Clarity is about your heart. It's not as much about the words. It's about the heart. Father knows what you need. Can you consider that? I know some of you are like, okay, so why do I have to say it? Exactly why my kids have to say, hey, dad. It's an intimate invitation and a request, whatever's happening there, that we are pulled into him. And when we invite him in to whatever it is that we're praying about, we allow him to hear our heart. And guess what we get to do? We may not often do this, but guess what we get to do? We get to rest. We get to rest in the next moment. We really do. Lord, I don't know what to do, but you have it. Oh, doesn't mean I'm uninvolved, but he is. Right. So we're supposed to pray with clarity and just rest in the next. But he, he doesn't leave his disciples there. He doesn't leave us there. He says, pray like this. I love that, out of the NLT. He's not going to leave them hanging. He's like, let, let me give you a construct to build around. Let me give you that construct. Our, heavenly, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Jesus, again, is reminding of the intimacy of the Father, but he seemingly takes out the individuality of the unseen place and prayer and draws them into a community gathered. Our Father, right? The little shift there, we have to pay attention because he is drawing us in. It's not just my Father, it's our Father. He reminds us that holy is his name. Not only because he declared it, but because it's true. And how do, we, how do we understand holy? It's separate and distinct. Or in the Hebrew, it's Kadesh, that idea of cutting and making separate from. And God is wholly separate, W-H. Wholly separate from anything else we have. Anything else we can see. He's like none other. He is the only one. His realm is not of this world. His realm is other and it's all-encompassing. As Jesus instructs us here, we pray his coming kingdom. And can I just suggest this in part, that it almost seems as if when when Matthew writes this and Jesus says it, it's like, uh, your kingdom come. It doesn't matter what I do. I don't need you. I mean, God is really kind of saying, if you pray that, you realize that he's all-powerful to bring about whatever he wishes to bring about, whether you want to participate with him or not. Wrap your heads around that, because it is coming true. In fact, this last week in our men's group, we kind of dipped our toe into this conversation. As much as the things of the world are horrific and tragic, they're bringing about the glorification of God. The stuff in Afghanistan tragic horrific he wants us praying but is it bringing God's glory yes it will the stuff in Haiti will it bring God's glory yes it will while it's tragic and I mean the scripture is coming to pass I mean grasp this we read it and we go oh wait a second okay our hearts are supposed to be torn by the tragedy of humanity but at the same time there's this there's this other part of us that's going oh God it's coming true Thank you. It's kind of split, isn't it? Wow. Then he says to give, he has us pray, give us today the food we need. Can we just put the word trust right there? When the Hebrew people were wandering in the desert, Yahweh provided food. He gave them water, manna, and quail. He also kept them in the shoes that they were shod with. Sandals. Read about it. Jesus is out in the crowds, right? And the disciples grow concerned because everyone gets hungry and they're not sure if their credit card can can handle the bill that would come if they were to slide it through. And yet Jesus says, don't feed them. Feed them. And Jesus feeds them. Jesus is teaching us to ask for what we need. What is it? It may be food, but I think that's a, that's a word that's easily translatable. Is it a job? Is it friends? Is it healing? Is it a relationship? What is it? Ask and trust. In this same sermon teaching discourse in Matthew 7, 7 11, Jesus, not, not that 7 11. Jesus, sorry, 
stuff just pops into my head. Images pop into my head. Does that ever happen to you guys? Yeah, all right, good. It says this, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He invites us. Ask him, what do you need? I want to add a little more fuel to the fire of this idea of praying and asking God for what is needed. Matthew 18 reminds us of our relationship, our identity, and our authority given to us as followers and as a family together by saying, I also tell you this, Jesus says, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Now, there's a greater context. Do not, do not run over this or around this without the greater context. But it's all about bringing the kingdom on earth. So maybe you're wondering, wait, 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 wait. Where, where, do, I get, where do I go and where can I get connected so I can learn how to pray better? Can I, so I can learn how to pray more. So I can learn how to pray always, which is one of our core principles. Well, a couple of places. One, you can join us on prayer meetings uh, on Wednesdays at 9 a.m., whether on Zoom or in person. So you could join us there. We would love to have you, and you could join in praying for the concerns that are on that list. But I also just want to remind you that we are having an awakening prayer night this Friday. Join us. Listen. Pray with us. Worship. Let your heart be tuned to God. Bring your requests to him. Bring your kingdom needs to him. Whatever it may be, join us in that and continue to tune your heart into praying because it is the very thing that changes who you are and the circumstances around you. Some of you did Lectio, you know. There's children, I don't think it was in Lectio, but you know that Abraham contended for others on behalf of the Lord on a regular basis and changed, it says, Scripture says in some places, changed God's mind. Now, I don't understand all that. Wow. The intimacy of a father's relationship. He goes on and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Forgive us. This is one of those places that we may find a little uncomfortable because it's a conditional phrase. It's a conditional phrase. We think God's love is unconditional. It is. But his forgiveness does not seem to be in this passage. As we're praying, we need to, God will forgive our sins if, as, as we forgive those who have offended us and committed against us. So what does it mean to forgive? What does it mean to forgive? Forgive means to release a debt. Any expectation the offender will, will receive, receive a punishment for the offense. We're willing to release them from that. We're asking God to do that. Why wouldn't we ask, why wouldn't we be willing to have our hearts so moved that we would be willing to release others in the same situation? He's saying that needs to be our hand. That needs to be our place. Sin is simply that place where we fall short of what we know is right. Our hands are dirty, right? We, we just realize, whoa, wait a second. Forgive me. He leans in, he continues, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. 
There are some things that we're supposed to yield to in life, right? Cars in a roundabout. The Holy Spirit. If you didn't know this, when a matriarch or patriarch of the family speaks, everyone should become silent. Yeah, it's one of my codes, I guess. Right? But not to temptation. We don't yield to temptation. We're asking the Father, whoa, help us to see the caution flags. Now, I want to remind us all, temptation is not sin. When we are tempted, we have not gotten our minds, our hands, or our heart dirty with doing whatever the sin we're being tempted to do. I love Martin Luther. He reminds us of this very keenly about what temptation is. He says, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. It's old, and some of you have heard it multiple times, but it's good because it's right. There are so many temptations around us all the time, but our rhythms, our rituals, and our practices are there to help and protect us, along with the community of faith around us. We're not to be led into it, and are praying about it. He says, whoa, this is how you are to pray. This is a standard of the way you should walk and pray. As we enter, for many of us, a busy season, a change of season, a move of seasons, I can't think of a better place to kind of lean into this morning on a Labor Day weekend when we have a little more time, a little more break than prayer because we probably need it more than we ever have. There are some of us, I've even talked to you, there are some of us that have, are been, have been led into some, some new territory in the last week. And you're not even sure how you're going to manage it. You don't even know if you have the energy to manage it. That may be the case for every single day for us. But some of us realize, whoa, this is, this is on the horizon. This is what's happening. Can I, just, can I just tell you that your Heavenly Father asks you to come to Him in prayer? So what are our next steps? What are your next steps? I would say this, just overarching, pray in your private place. And if you don't have a private place, find one. Make one. Create one. Some of us have a chair. Some of us have a rock. Some of us have a walk. Some of us have a run. Find a place that is your private place where prayer happens and the intimacy of the Father is created in that place. And then can I just invite you to pray asking, pray asking your heavenly father with, with clarity and conviction. conviction. Pray, to your, pray to your heavenly father with clarity and conviction. And you may say, well, wait a second. I'm, I'm always, con-. well, the clarity and conviction breeds intimacy and change. I think, the, I think we're sometimes we're a little fearful of really hammering down in prayer or really getting into prayer because we realize prayer is scary. And it is. Because we realize as we get closer to the Father, it's less about the situation we're praying about and more about us. It's more about the change of the heart than it is the, the, the thing, the situation, the relationships outside of us. It's more about us. And so when we start to pray with clarity, we have to combine it with a conviction of heart. This past week, some friends of friends, and some of you, if you're on the Facebook group, you may catch what this is about, who are not yet fully trusting Jesus, we're in a place of desperation. 
they were pressed and felt the events of their situation were just closing in and crushing and could be potentially devastating, especially the trajectory of the situation. There were a few of us that gathered around a meal and we just had a nice meal, but afterwards, can I just tell you, we, we intentionally had the meal to cry out in prayer together. And we stood the gap and called and prayed for God's mighty working on their behalf. I don't know if they knew it or if they don't know it. It doesn't really matter. Can I just tell you that less than a day, there was a diagnosis found where there was none. Treatment was started, and within 48 hours, that, that situation went from devastating to, wow, hopeful and healthier. I, I, I can't tell you how many times this happens over and over again when I pray and when I gather with others and pray with really clarity and conviction. This is more about me than it is about you. And just kind of go, no, Lord, we, we, we want to see a move of your work. We want to see your hand changing the situation. We have to see it. That he answers. There's some relief. There's some resolution. There's something. And it's not always the way I think it should be. Can I just tell you that? But there's, there's relief. And it's, it's uncomfortable to kind of pray in those ways, especially if we're not comfortable praying by ourselves in those ways and wrestling with the Lord. But it's uncomfortable when we're together to then have prayed that way and kind of like, hey, we don't understand what's going on. But I think the Father invites us it's a transformational space at time that we desperately need. Some of us are way too nice in our Christianity and way too nice in our praying. And I believe the Father invites us into that space to, to see us change and transform and to become more real. Because when we come become more real, guess what happens with him in those places and those spaces? We, we get a we get to see his grace and his mercy and his love in ways that, whoa, wait a second. Where'd that come from? How did that happen? Even though we've been praying about it. So this morning, even as we're saying, as it is in heaven, we're not waiting for an invitation at the end. We're asking for you to come forward during you have something that needs to be prayed about. Use this space up here. It's a private closet. We won't bug you. If you want others to pray with you and wrestle with you, we invite you to come forward and pray because it is the place where transformation takes place. Our hearts, the situation, God. Here are a few words from the song we're going to sing. Spirit of God, fall fresh on us, just like our prayer, our Father in heaven. We need your presence, your kingdom come, your will be done on here as it is in heaven. A miracle can happen now, for the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here. Heavenly Father, we invite you into this place and this space. Lord, we, we we, we want to contend for the kingdom today. 
We want to see your working, your mighty working, rolling out from heaven in our midst. Father, there are some of my friends and family members here who are wrestling through difficult days. They need to sense your presence afresh and anew, not just hear it, but feel it today. There are some who are desiring a healing. Some who are standing in the gap for others, Lord. Just hungry to see a change, a change, a change. So, Father, would you, would you take these moments and use them to bring your kingdom in a greater way, your spirit in a greater way. Father, we invite you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place.